Good evening, friends, and thank you for joining us, both of those of you who are here and those watching online. We obviously come together to honor our great master on the eve or the anniversary of his Mahasamadhi. And it is a great, great gift that he has given us. Let's begin with the prayer, unless you want to. Yeah, I just want to especially welcome our guest for this weekend, the promise of immortality. And you know, as we all know, the world has been shut down. And how fitting, you're one of our first major programs to happen here at the Expanding Light. And how wonderful that it could be a Master's Mahasamadhi. I think he's celebrating with all of us. So thank you for coming. And we hope that you have felt the blessings of this great, great soul and will continue to feel them in your life. And we hope that you're the first of hundreds and thousands to be coming. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Divine Mother, Friend, beloved God, great masters, Jesus Christ, Babaji Krishna, Lahirdi Mahashaya, Swami Sri Yukteswar, beloved Guru, Paramahansa Yoganandaji, great saints of all religions, we humbly bow to you all. Beloved Master, we thank you again and again for incarnating to lead us into this new age, for the techniques you have given us, for all your teachings on how to live, but most of all, for your love and your grace. Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. We'll have some music and then we'll chant briefly and meditate briefly. The green summer
to fly. 
storms above the pain, a land where peace and laughter reign. Oh, Master, may thy joy fill our days. Oh, Master, may thy wisdom guide our Guide all our hopes and all our dreams, cast every glow that only seems into the light, the inner sun, into the truth that we're all one. Help us to find in every Shri Yogananda, 
deliver us from delusion Thinking thy heart Lotus feet are thy guru Thinking thy heart Lotus feet are thy guru If you want to cross the ocean of delusion If you want to cross the ocean of delusion Shame in the white lotus in purity Shame in the white lotus in purity Beyond all duality Guru image of Brahma from delusion Guru image of Brahma deliver us from delusion Shame in the white lotus in purity Shame in the white lotus in purity Beyond all duality Guru image of Brahma deliver us from Chabramha, deliver us from delusion. Guru Imachabramha, deliver us from delusion. Guru Imachabramha, deliver us from delusion. Thinking. Years ago, Master had said, When I leave this earth, I want to go speaking of my America and my India. In a song about India that he had written, to the tune of the popular song, My California, he paraphrased the ending of that popular version with the words, I know when I die, in joy I will sigh for my sunny, grand old India. Once, too, in a lecture he had stated, A heart attack is the easiest way to die. That is how I choose to die. This evening, all those predictions were to prove true. Master was scheduled to speak after the banquet. His brief talk was so sweet, so almost tender, that I think everyone present felt embraced in the gossamer net of his love. Warmly he spoke of India and America, and of their respective contributions to world peace and true human progress. He talked of their future cooperation. Finally he read his beautiful poem, My India. Throughout his speech I was busy recording his words, keeping my eyes on my notebook. He came to the last lines of the poem, where Ganges, woods, Himalayan caves, and men dream God, I am hallowed, my body touched that sod. Sod became a long-drawn sigh. Suddenly, from all sides of the room, there was a shriek. I looked up. What is it? I demanded of Dick Hames, seated beside me. What happened? Master fainted, he replied. Oh, no, Master, you wouldn't faint. You've left us, you've left us. The forgotten playwright in me cried silently, This is too perfect a way for you to go, for it to mean anything else. I hastened to where Master lay. A look of bliss was on his face. Virginia Wright was stooped over him, trying desperately to revive him. Mr. Ahuja, the consul general, came over to me and put an arm around my shoulders to comfort me. Never, dear friend, will I forget that sweet act of kindness.
They brought Master's body to Mount Washington and placed it lovingly on his bed. One by one we went in, weeping, and knelt by his bedside. Mother, cried Joseph, oh, mother! Indeed, Master had been a mother to us all. Ah, and how much more than a mother! Miss Lancaster gazed at me in anguish. How many thousands of years it took, marveled an older disciple, gazing upon him in quiet awe, to produce such a perfect face. Later on, after we'd left the room, Diamata remained alone with Master's body. As she gazed at him, a tear formed on his left eyelid and slowly trickled down his cheek. Lovingly she caught it with her handkerchief. In death, as in life, he was telling his beloved disciple, and through her the rest of us, I love you always, through endless cycles of time, unconditionally, without any desire, except for your happiness, forever in God. Thank you, Bhaktan, for creating that beautiful tribute. And thank you, Shraddha, for creating this beautiful altar. And for those who don't know, the person who was reading those words was our teacher and Ananda's founder, Swami Kriyananda. And those were words from his autobiography, The New Path, in which he uh, tells about his spiritual journey and his years with Master. And this photo here was taken of Swamiji offering uh, Master a box, I think of samosas, I believe it was, um, on a few days before Master left the body. So we'll share a few words. Words seem rather superfluous at this point, but I suppose we need to do that. Um, to a soul such as Yogananda, time was no longer a reality. He says in his beautiful poem, Samadhi, past, present, future, no more for me, but ever present, all flowing I, I, everywhere. And so although a soul like Yoganandaji, like our Gurudeva, was born at a certain date, January 5th, 1893, left the body at a certain date, March 7th, 1952, those dates are not relevant. They're more for us that we may celebrate and honor his life. But as, he, as we said, past, present, future, no more for me, but ever-present, all-flowing I, I, everywhere. And Swamiji tells us that even in working with the disciples, time was not relevant to him. He gave one of the monks a, an assignment of painting a room in the ashram. And before the man even had time to go out and buy the paint, Master was showing someone around, and he said of this monk, and he painted it all by himself. Past, present, future, no more, all one. And he knew that room would be painted, and he knew it would, he would do, that monk would do it all by himself. It just hadn't happened yet. And so with our beloved Swamiji, who was with Master for the last three and a half years. The Master was in th that body. Master said many, many things in his presence, and he's committed them down to both memory and wrote them down, and they have filled the pages of many books as part of Swami's legacy to all of us. But I want to touch on four things that Master said to Swamiji, because 
to a master, time is no, not relevant, nor is individuality relevant. And so in a sense, because we are all trained and following in the path that Swami followed from Master, the things that Master said to Swamiji are also relevant to each of us. And so the first thing I want to focus on is what Master said the very first day that Swamiji met him. Again, if we need to pin it down in time and place, September 12th. 1948, and Swami had read autobiography of a yogi in New York, traveled across the country to Los Angeles, and finally, rather miraculously, was able to have an interview with Master very soon after he arrived. And they talked about a few things, and Swamiji said that he could tell Master was just one might say, reading his soul from a deep place of intuitive perception. And then finally, Master looked at him, and he said, I give you my unconditional love. Do you give me yours? And Swamiji said, yes. But that unconditional love is not something that is given as human love is, and then maybe withdrawn, maybe it lasts the length of an incarnation. The unconditional love of a guru is eternal, without time, without place. How many, uh, there's a beautiful line in Autobiography of a Yogi where uh, Master is with his guru, Sri Teshwar, in his ashram, and they watch the sun setting on the Ganges, and then he knelt and touched his guru's feet, and Sri Teshwar, our master said, this was not the first time that I, first lifetime that I had touched those feet. And so it is, the unconditional, eternal love of the guru, not just for Swamiji, please understand, it's for each of us eternal blessing of the Guru. He gives us his unconditional love, never to be withdrawn, no matter what we do, no matter how we err, unconditional, eternal, timeless. Till, as in that beautiful chant that Ramesha did, till we cross the ocean of delusion. That's all he wants for us. And then the second thing that I want to touch on that Master said to Swami, and this was a little later, a year or two later, he said to him, to Swamiji, you have a great work to do. And that work is, again, we are a part of that great work. It's the work of finding God and sharing God with others. And what Swamiji has done, you know, when Jyotish, Jyotish and I have been here as part of the founding generation from the beginning, and a day doesn't go by that we don't walk this property or drive around or talk to our gurubais where we don't think this is a miracle that such a place as this exists. And we've all done our part, each of us, through music and education and teaching and medical practices and building and all the things that we do. We are part of that great work. And that great work, again, is not limited in time. This Ananda, as we know it, it someday it may not be here. The world changes. But the focus of energy, of selfless, constant, God-directed energy, both in serving and in seeking God, that is eternal. That makes a difference in this world. And we're all doing our part in so many ways. There is a great work to be done. And looking at the world today, 
Perhaps it's more needed now than ever. Jatish and I tomorrow morning are going to be doing a satsang for our gurubhais in Russia. They asked us. They're hurting. They're confused. They want, what do we do? And we can share with them what Master has given us through Swamiji. So there's a great work to be done. And let's not be afraid of it. Let's not think, oh, well, maybe those other people can do a great work, but I'll just do something small on the side. You know what? God, as Master said, center everywhere, circumference nowhere. There's nothing small on the side. God is wherever we think of him, in whatever service, however humble we do. And then the third thing I want to touch on that Master said to Swamiji, and by extension, all of us, in a timeless, eternal consciousness, you have pleased me very much. I want you to know that. And he wasn't just, when Master said that to Swamiji, he wasn't just speaking of the three and a half years they had spent together, or as Swamiji felt, the many lifetimes they had spent together. He was, again, it's a reflection of that eternal, unconditional love. And it's important for each of us to accept those words in our own heart. Master knows our struggles. He knows our feelings of inadequacy and limitation. But we have pleased him by our effort. And this is what Swami always reflected to us. Someone said recently, and it was very wise, someone who struggled a lot in the early years of Ananda, they said, he's, this person said, Swami always brought out my strengths, and he didn't focus on the weaknesses. And this is true for all of us. We have pleased him very much by our lives of striving, of overcoming, of self-offering, all of these things. And then finally, the, a day or two before Master left the body, Swamiji asked him, Sir, will you be as much with us after you leave the body as you are now? And what did Master say to him? He said, to those who think me near, I will be near eternally. And so now for each of us, just as Master said of that man, he painted the whole room by himself and he hadn't even begun. Master is saying to each of us, you have pleased me. I give you my unconditional love. There's so much to be done. And if you think me near, I will be near. And we need to understand what more important thing can we do for the world right now than to think Master near and to bring his presence, which is eternally there. But if people don't call on it, it won't come. Once someone asked the great woman saint, Ananda Moima, what, how do you know when people pray to you for help? And she said, it's as though if there's a, a darkened group of people, when someone prays to me, a spotlight just shines up, and I know that person is calling for my help, and I send light. Well, let's do this now. Let's call out to this eternally present, ever pleased, ever-loving Divine Guru. And let's call and ask him not only to bless our lives, not only that we may be one with him and awaken in his presence ever more deeply, but that his light may shine on the world now and that people everywhere can know that they are loved, that they have pleased God, 
that God is ever near, and this is the gift of the timeless, eternal Guru. Picking up a little bit where Devi went, you know, Master had a great work to do. He came at this time, at the beginning of Dwapara Yuga, to this country to bring the teachings of the East and much, much more to bring unity, to bring caring friendship, divine friendship. And he had a great work, which he told Swami to carry on, and Swami told all of us to carry on. And that great work is to help world consciousness to be uplifted, to show that there are certain principles in life that if we follow these principles, if we apply them in our life, attuning our will to God's will, that we will be happy, that we'll be successful, that we will be able to accomplish what we're trying to accomplish. Master, when he went around to speak, it's incredible the topics that he spoke on. How to attract a perfect mate, how to have success, how to use healing prayers for health, and on and on and on. So what he was doing is showing us how to live in this world how to apply the principles of harmony with the laws of this world. And if we do that, whatever we touch will be better than if we don't. And we all are a part of that. Ananda exists in part to provide a living model to show that he wasn't just talking philosophy, that it actually works. Ananda is one of the happiest places on earth. It's one of the most beautiful. Sri Kartikeyan, who is um, a very beloved and uh, uh, high soul, former head of the, essentially the FBI for India, and now he travels all over the world to ashrams and places and everywhere. He's just constantly active. He said he's never been anywhere ever that is as beautiful as Ananda. And that's not just the physical beauty, it's the beauty of consciousness. Why is that? It's beautiful because we are applying these great teachings that Master had to show us how to be happy, to show us how to be healthy, Dr. Peter, who's sitting here and runs the local clinic, he said that, you know, the clinic serves the whole area here, five or 6,000 people. Ananda people, compared to the rest of the people that live in the same geographical location, the same environment, Ananda people are 10 years younger than those of the same age of others because of a healthy lifestyle, because of living in harmony with these principles. And so Master came to show us how to live in this world. But he also came with a second mission, because no matter how well we live in this world, no matter how healthy we are, no matter how successful we are, no matter how joyful and happy we are, the time will come when we have to leave this world. And all the accumulation of money or property or possessions that we have acquired by being successful, even harmoniously successful, the day we pass, those are no more, never to be ours again. Someday we'll pass, and this temple, beautiful though it is, will just be a distant dream. So nothing on this earth, nothing that's solid, can we take with us. 
that has to pass. And so ultimately, this world master came with a deeper mission. And this is ancient teachings of India, that this world is just one plane of existence. And the physical world is ruled by the laws of duality, that there is good and bad, there's light and dark, there's birth and death, all of the laws of duality. And no matter how wonderfully we live in this world, we're still subject to the laws of duality. And so, since we're now talking on the anniversary of Master's Maha Samadhi, when the soul gets ready to leave this earth, all of the things that we've accomplished will be no more. What we will take with us, however, is the consciousness by which we accomplish those, or the consciousness by which we refuse to cooperate with God's laws and by which we fail. We'll take with us that, those lessons that we learned while we were on this plane of existence. But what Master, in a deeper sense, came was to show us how to get out of the world of duality and how to stay out of the world of duality. Because no matter how beautiful it is, it's not all that great, my friends. You may have noticed that. There was a very interesting uh, incident that occurred here. Our center leader, one of the center leaders in India is Kirtani. And in the early days, she worked in the gardens. At, and she's yeah, the center leader of our work, um, one of the directors of our work in Italy. But in the early years, she was here at Ananda Village, and as many, many people did, she worked in the gardens. And one day we had, in those days we were building the soil, we had enormous piles of compost. And so they'd be six feet wide and 10 feet long and eight feet high. and. Um, we would have all of the material, building organic matter to uh, build up the clay soil here. And one day it was her job, as other people did, to turn the compost so that that which was on the inside could now be on the outside and, and get to the air and so on. And as she was doing that, she came to a place of just rotten garbage that hadn't done anything. And in that garbage were all kinds of little worms and uh, the uh, spore of flies, you know, the little maggots. And they were all in there crawling around. And she looked at that and said, ooh, how can they live in something like that? And went on with her job. And then as she was walking home, she heard, and she was looking around and saying how beautiful the property is. She heard a voice saying, ooh, how can you live in a place like that? <laughs> so for us, of course, this is a beautiful environment. But my friends, for those maggots, that was a beautiful environment. <laughs> None of these environments <laughs> are all that they're made to seem. It's just the delusion of the present level of consciousness that makes them seem that this is what we want. But the soul has incarnated again and again and again and Master's second mission, and one could say his more important mission, was to speak to the soul in each of us and to show us how to transcend beyond the world of duality. And just as there are laws of success for how to accumulate something in the world, or how to be healthy, or how to have good relationships, 
There are certain laws that we follow, attuned to, that will help us accomplish that. So there are laws of the soul, that if we follow those laws of the soul, then the soul will be able to extract itself from the compost pile of physical existence and go to the much more beautiful realm of astral paradise, as we would think. And then from there, that too, someday, will seem like a compost pile because the causal plane and then finally the pure bliss of God that is unchanging and unalloyed is where we're headed. So Master laid open for us the laws of the soul and the techniques by which we can extract ourselves from the world of duality and the delusion that pertains thereof. And so we can look at the world today and the news and we can be upset and we can be angry and we can shake our fingers and we can have all sorts of reactions. But is that at the final exam, is that the kind of consciousness that we want to take with us? This time of Master's Mahasamadhi is to help us, in a sense, prepare for that. Prepare for that time that we're ready to leave. And so let's live in such a way. Let's live with peace and harmony. Let's live with using the techniques of the soul that gradually help extract the consciousness from delusion and gradually help to burn up the karmic seeds that keep us caught in delusion and the, especially the practice of Kriya Yoga and attunement to the consciousness, not, not so much just the model of life and the examples, but to the consciousness of Master, to try to absorb that and become transformed and shaped by that consciousness. And that's the deeper gift that he came to offer for those who want it. And of course, we wouldn't be sitting here unless we wanted it. And that beautiful gift of the laws and techniques of the soul is the real gift that can stay with us permanently. And so on this eve of the anniversary of Master's passing, let's try to attune ourselves to the consciousness that he had as he left this world and do our best to live in such a way that we, if we don't achieve that consciousness, we at least have the compass of our needle, the needle of our compass pointed directly at that goal. And if we have that, then if we leave with accomplishing the goal of extracting ourselves from delusion, we don't need to come back to the compost pile again. If we don't, we will return with the momentum of living a life dedicated to getting beyond duality. And as the Gita said, we will simply pick up right where we left off before, as all of us have done in this lifetime. We have simply picked up where we left off before in different circumstances, in different bodies, and perhaps in different countries, maybe even on a different planet. Master said, we move from planet to planet so we don't catch on so quickly. God likes to play, but he also likes even more 
to reside in bliss. And that, my friends, is the real message of Master. Live in the world with beauty and success and exuberance and joy and friendship and all of that, but live in your soul with a deep yearning and commitment to moving beyond all duality into the bliss of unity with God. God bless you. Now please join me in Master's Prayer for Peace and Harmony. As we repeat it, Lord, fill this world with peace and harmony, peace and harmony, and then, Lord, fill me with peace and harmony, peace and harmony. Before we start, let's especially visualize the region of the Ukraine and its people, that God's light may shine and alleviate their suffering. And on the people of Russia, that their hearts may understand and that they too may find meaning and easing of their suffering. So let's affirm together. Lord, fill this world with peace and harmony, peace and harmony. Lord, fill this world with peace and harmony, peace and harmony. Lord, fill this world with peace and harmony, peace and harmony. Lord, fill this world with peace and harmony, peace and harmony. Lord, fill this world with peace and harmony, peace and harmony. Lord, fill this world with peace and harmony, peace and harmony. Lord, fill this world with peace and harmony, peace and harmony. Lord, fill this world with peace and harmony, peace and harmony. Lord, fill this world with peace and harmony, peace and harmony. Lord, fill this world with peace and harmony, peace and harmony. Lord, fill me with peace and harmony, peace and harmony. Lord, fill me with peace and harmony, peace and harmony. Lord, fill me with peace and harmony, peace and harmony. And let's close with a prayer together. Heavenly Father, Divine Mother, Friend, beloved God, great masters, Jesus Christ, Babaji Krishna, Lahiri Mahashaya, Swami Sri Teswarji, beloved Guru, Paramahansa Yogananda, saints of all religions. Humbly we bow to you all. Beloved Master, our souls reach out to thee in deep gratitude, in deep devotion, in deep yearning to know thee. Receive our prayers, receive our soul's longing, and bless us that we may awaken forever into oneness with thee. Om Shanti Shanti. May Master's blessings guide all of our lives.